On March 11, 1964, Gene Roddenberry wrote three words on a blank page. Star Trek is. What followed was half a century of stories, unbridled by the constraints of time or space, but always a reflection of what it means to be human. Now, Star Trek Discovery will begin that sentence once again. Space. The final frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast, Give Me That Star Trek. It's ongoing mission to explore all of Star Trek, to seek out new guests and new opinions, to boldly go where many have gone before. Welcome to a special bonus episode of Gimme That Star Trek. Uh, with me now, David Ace Gutierrez, one of my original guests. Hi, David. Hello. Let's boldly go. To boldly go, and, and we're doing this kind of on the fly. We just had a conversation online. By the time you listen to this, it's, it's probably been a week since we talked, but uh, last week, back-to-back, two Star Trek-related trailers dropped, and we just have to talk about them. I feel like I have to amend something there. One of them is Star Trek, and one of them is kind of Star Trek adjacent. Well, we're talking about the uh, Star Trek Discovery trailer, mostly. And we'll also talk about the Orville, which uh, dropped a trailer. It's a Star Trek parody. It's a Galaxy Quest ripoff. Call it what you will. Uh, but that one dropped like uh, like the day before, kind of smoked Discovery. Just when we kind of were losing hope that Discovery would come out at all at this point. Oh, I'm still losing hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to listen to that trailer. Let's hear it. Yeah, you're not getting the visuals, folks, so you've got to find it online. Uh, we'll listen to the trailer and then we'll come back and talk about it. Captain, where are we going? We have no map, and you can't set a course without a star. It's hard to imagine. You've served under me for seven years. Commander Burnham. I think it is time we talked about you having your own command. Tutor transport. Unifiers are few and far between, but they do come. Often such leaders will need a profound cause for their followers to rally around. What am I looking at? Object of unknown origin. We've come all this way, Captain. It would be irresponsible to leave whatever that is unknown. What have you done out there on the edge of Federation space? Computer, enable igniter. Signatures detected. Context our fleet command. We have engaged the Klingons. You will never learn, Vulcan. Your tongue is too human. I'm trying to save you. 
I'm trying to save all of you. We target its neck, cut off its head. Starfleet doesn't fire first. We have to. My people were biologically determined for one purpose alone, to sense the coming of death. I sense it coming now. All right, so first thoughts. Oh, holy McCloud, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, okay, here's the thing. I, to back up just briefly a few hours before our conversation about okay. this, there was one image released from this trailer before anyone knew there was going to be a trailer, I think. Yeah. Of, of Michelle, of Michelle Yeoh. And is it, am I pronouncing this right? Soniqua, uh, Martin Green. I'm just going to call her SMG from here on. <laughs> SMG. And they look like Ray from Jack Who. In um, what was it called? That that Star Wars movie a couple of years. Um, the Force, the Awakens. Force Awakens. <laughs> yes, you can tell where how important that is to me. So, <laughs> so they look like uh, actually one of them looked like she was just wearing the exact outfit. So I thought, oh man, what is happening? Are they just? Is this such a desperate audience grab that they're gonna try to fake something like you know like transmorphers? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like the asylum um that movie company, the asylum when they have like snakes on a train. You know what I mean? Something to kind of fool you into thinking this is going to be something else. But then they released this glorious trailer, which I admit has doesn't really say much. But it, it asks a lot of questions. I think it begs a lot should, of questions. Which it should, right? Yeah, no, it I'm not. that curiosity. And um, I've been reading what people say about it. A lot of the concern seems to be about, and I hate it, continuity. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, where did this fit? They immediately tell you it's 10 years before uh, the original series. And which is strange because visually and just technologically, it's never going to fit because it's been 50 years since somebody imagined what the 22nd century is going to be. Geek said that those same battles for Enterprise, right? Right. That Enterprise was a precursor and looked much slicker and more modern than obviously the cage in the original series. But it I, has to. You know? I don't care about that. Yeah, I, that's me not either. a problem for me at all. At what all. I like is it's immediately looking at exploration. About and yeah, well, it's called Star Trek Discovery, mm. but about finding something new, which I think is what makes Star Trek so special and what sets it apart from, from everything else. It's also got those other things, you know, that that Star Trek has had in, in its various incarnations. Sure. Uh, the there's action. There's certainly some action in there. I think SMG, as you call her, uh, Sonequa Martin Green, or um, Michael Burnham is the name of the character. Yeah, Lieutenant Burnham. But Michael, which is an interesting. Uh, everybody's, you know, wondering what that means. Is it, uh, are, oh. we, are we mispronouncing the name? Uh, well, there was that actress, Michael, Michael Michelle, who was on ER and on Homicide Life on okay, the Street. Yeah, you see, that's probably it. But uh, since some people are talking about, you know, the po- possibility of a transgender. Oh, like a gender thing? Yeah, a transgender oh, yeah. character or a certain gender fluidity, which would be really going from zero to a hundred, zero to warp ten. Uh, for Star Trek, which has been very, very timid as far as uh, LGBTQ content has gone, you know. Sure. Uh, uh, well, over... there's an openly gay character on the on who's I don't remember seeing at all. Um, Anthony Rapp, I think his character, uh, Lieutenant Stamets or Stamets, is supposed to be openly gay. Yeah, apparently, and um, so they're making some strides, but you know the 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 galaxy's mostly been 
is has been very straight <laughs> over right. the past right. um you know i'm guessing it's not a transgender thing but people are talking about you know simply that name it's that's one of the right. questions that's okay. been asked i guess uh one of the questions that i'm asking after is this, she vulcan is that what you're asking? Well, what's her relationship to Vulcan? I think she's uh, she's not Vulcan, uh, she's but raised by a Vulcan, adopted by a Vulcan. By Sarek? I guess. Uh, I think that could be interesting. I, here's what I love about this is so many of the alien characters have been obsessed with humanity in Star Trek. We're trying to see what humans tick or how humans tick, rather. But I like the fact that there's a human who maybe is more interested in an alien culture than her own, which mm-hmm. I think is a great twist on something that they've just been doing for, well, for five series now, right? It's always about the human condition, but how about if you explore the human condition through the eyes of a human who's more interested in not being human? Right, and did you see that in her performance? I thought she seemed... Yes, her delivery is very Vulcan-like, until she starts saying, you got to cut its head off, you know? (laughs) And... uh, um, Although that may switch. be a, a thing of logic, those kinds of arguments that she brings to the uh, to the table. Uh, I yeah. thought, yeah, and of course, I thought she was very charismatic in the role, and you know, just what we saw in the trailer. I said she she was gorgeous. She's, I was swooning. I love a girl in uniform. Mm. You know, <laughs> and those uniforms look great. I mean, I'm glad they don't they don't try to match the cage or you know, like do a really oh, yeah. retro thing. With, I don't think would have. Worked. I was kind of hoping they might actually, just because I like that era. I think it would have been fun for us as nerds, but to get an audience interested, right. I, I kind of like the look that that they've, they've given. I get it. You don't want to feel like you're watching Pan Am the series again, right? You want to feel like you're watching something <laughs> set in the future. To wrap it back into the, I guess the what the Prime Universe, I guess is what it's called. I think this is part of that, right? Yeah, it's supposedly it, – it's not part of the um... – The Kelvin timeline. What I like about it is the individual uniforms, which which harken very much back to the original series where every every ship had its own distinctive logo. And it just so happens that I guess the Federation adopts the Enterprise logo, right, right. going forward. No, I, I, I dig the suits. I dig the uh, the first contact kind of looking uh, environmental spacesuit. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you what I really like, just going back to the first couple of seconds or first half minute of the trailer, is that it looks like there's going to be a mentorship role for however long uh, she might be alive in this thing. Michelle Yeoh and, um, and Michael Burnham, where she's trying to groom her, I'm guessing her XO for a command position, which you never really see. Kind of Picard and and uh, and Riker maybe, but nobody else seemed as compared as a, as concerned with making their number ones move up. Uh, that's true. And is there a ship called Discovery? Is there a USS Discovery? I don't think we saw it because it, the ship that we saw doesn't really resemble the ship from the trailer. It's got to be the Shang Shu, you know, Michelle Yeoh's ship. And where's Captain Lorca? Yeah, where is all that? So I think we're just seeing, perhaps we're seeing the pilot mostly. Can I tell you everything Jason Isaacs told me about Discovery? <laughs> go, go ahead, because you met Jason Isaacs, who, who will play... I did, I interviewed him. He will play Burnham's... Uh, yeah. What did he tell you? So here's how it goes. I said, so tell me about Star Trek Discovery. He says, okay, I'll tell you whatever I can. Um, I said, so what did it feel like to be on the bridge? He said, oh, there's a bridge. And I said, okay. What was it like the first time you saw the captain's chair? There's a captain's chair? And he knows there's a captain's chair because it was in the second preview. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but, but So, yeah, um, he dogged me every chance he got with that. The only thing I got out of him was that it's shooting in Toronto. <laughs> there, there you go. Uh, I did recognize a couple of uh, people that, you know, there's a lot of Canadian actors in this one. Of course. When it comes to TV, we've got a little, 
we've got a cottage industry of science fiction shows. You know what's so odd is that it doesn't quite feel like the Law and Order shows. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I've seen this guy five times. He played the assailant. He played the lawyer. He played. I'm amazed that all the Canadian sci-fi shows don't um, don't feel like there's a repertory group or something. I didn't recognize anybody. <laughs> like I, I expect to see Lexa Doig and everything. Yeah, Lexa Doig or uh, Michael from from the Stargate shows. I, I never watched those. Yeah, I know he Shanks. Means. What? There are too many of them. Give me that Stargate. <laughs> Give me that Stargate. <laughs> it was born of a rotten tree. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> well, let's get back. Sorry, let's get back yeah, to let's get back to Star Trek. Uh, basically, well, for me, the trailer. I mean, it looks gorgeous. The certainly the the look of it, the the effects of it is yes. all very nice. I think one of the discontinuities that maybe kind of bugged me, you know, if continuity is to bug me, is. The look of the Klingons. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't mind it so much. It's okay. I mean, it's... it's... You want Michael and Sarah again? You I don't know, that? but they're just pushing it. They're pushing <laughs> it a bit far, I think. You know, even more alien than the yeah. in TNG era. I think that's fine. I, I, I don't have a problem with allowing your current level of technology to influence something like that. Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. you, you can make a better makeup job now. You can, you can do a better Klingon on a budget than you could, I guess, even... When was Enterprise last on? Like 10 years ago? 15 years ago. You know what I mean? You can do a better job than that. And I like that there's all these new aliens that you, we never saw before, like the Doug Jones guy who could smell mm-hmm. death and that blue guy who looks like um, one of the tiger sharks. I'm glad. One of the uh, online protests that I was reading was like, why have we never seen these aliens before? Like you're going to have a category for like like every ship carries every alien. Like species don't die out. Like it's not an entire universe you're exploring. You know what I mean? Um, I'm really wondering what the Klingons role in this is because we're going to see a lot of Klingons. A lot of Klingons have been cast, have multiple yes. episodes to, to their credit, perhaps all 13. Uh, and we see in the trailer, we see a sort of a sarcophagus being raised like and we hear the klingon death roar yeah and is this something that happens that will cause a federation klingon war is this is this where the war starts and when they talk about burnham the uh sort of voiceover he calls her a unifier and that like she has a special uh destiny right to unify peoples is this the unification of of the vulcan way and the human way is that what is that what that references or is it that is she really on a mission of peace, even though war is about to break out? Those are all questions that the trailer asks and that, you know, kind of make me, sure, make me excited about what the final product will be. Is it going to be a, you know, a military mission, a diplomacy mission, and yet the ship is called the Discovery, you know, which evokes an exploratory mission. So all of that is in there and with multiple crews, probably, if, especially if... A mixed crew? A mixed crew and, and perhaps, yeah. Oh, what's that going to be? And um, the trailer doesn't doesn't tell you that. It just gives you right. these cool flashes of almost information. If the first trailer holds any truth, let's say that, or isn't so much of a proof of concept, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and merely just a tease that evolved into what we saw today. You know, the the first trailer had the uh, the discovery. You assume it's a discovery coming out of that asteroid. And you hear the Klingon theme, and the ship has the ship sort of off color for Federation, and even looks somewhat like if you had a Klingon in Federation, like like an engineering team design a ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a combination of ship styles. Right. Yeah. So that's a discovery, and this is the the other ship whose name I can't pronounce. What is it again? Shangshu, I think would be Shangshu. The... Then yeah, then maybe she is the, the unifier. And I don't know if, I, and I think 
for me, one of the questions is, is Discovery supposed to be, it's what, like 12 or 14 episodes or something like that? Uh, 13, yeah. 13. But is this just season one? Is it an anthology series then? And uh, Burnham's story, is it done in one? And maybe season two is completely something different from her? Or is this like a long-term mission yeah. with, this, with this combo? It's really hard crew? to tell because when the show was announced, it was all the rage doing <laughs> Five that. Five years right? ago. Yeah, it was yeah. all the rage doing that kind of thing, right? Uh, but depending on how these anthology shows go, whether it's what, American Horror Story or uh, Fargo or True Detective, some of them have done well. Some of them have done, done so well from season to season. So maybe, you know, maybe that was the plan originally and is no longer the plan based on perhaps some, right. some failures that some people have had. Again, we, we don't know and they're really not giving up any information. If I look at something from a production standpoint, strictly a production standpoint. Yeah. True detective or whatever. You don't need to make new sets, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to you don't have to hire a design team to completely overhaul something every year. You know, um even something like Fargo, which skips around time, you're dealing with time periods that pre exist. So you know it you have stuff to work from already. But no, I'm I'm super psyched about this thing. I, I um I haven't felt good about the Star Trek thing. Well no, I really loved um Beyond. But you know, I was I was getting into that into darkness lull. The into darkness darkness, if you will. Where I was getting that, that sinking feeling that, you know, maybe maybe it's time to hang up the com badge, David. You know what I mean? Mm. Let everybody have their own trek. Which everyone should, you know. But I mean you've you've had your your fifty years of this, you know, maybe it's time to, to put into space talk. But no, I'm pulled back in by this. I'm so excited by this. I'm Highlander excited. That's my level of excitement. <laughs> oh, that that high. <laughs> I'm Gal Gadot excited about this. Oh, nice. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. you're making me more excited about it. What you're not so excited about is perhaps uh, the the other the, the other <laughs> ship that is leaving yeah. uh, Space Dock <laughs> uh, in the Star Trek way, and that's uh, Seth MacFarlane's The Orville, which is due to premiere on Fox at some point. Yeah. Uh, they also dropped a trailer. Uh, we're gonna listen to that one as well. And uh, then uh, we'll come back and talk about it briefly. Ed, have a seat. I have good news. There's a ship available, the USS Orville. Ever since I was a kid, I have wanted to serve on an exploratory vessel. You're nobody's first choice for this job. But we have 3,000 ships to staff, and we need captains. Can I have one of these mints? Those are marbles. We're giving you one last chance. I just want to say I am thrilled to be your new captain. I want this to be an efficient ship, but also one that you're glad to be serving on. Lieutenant Commander Bordas, your entire species is male, isn't it? That is correct, sir. Probably not a lot of arguments about leaving the toilet seat up and that kind of thing, right? Mocklands urinate only once per year. Really? That's, I mean, I'm, I'm up two, three times a night. <laughs> that is unfortunate. It is. Time to meet the locals. Hi, I'm Captain Ed Mercer. Holy crap! We don't mean your family any harm. Well, we did just shoot his dad. Aside from shooting your dad, we don't mean your family any harm. Captain, there's a message coming in from Admiral Halsey. It says that an executive officer has become available. No. No, 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 no. Oh, crap. Sorry, man. You okay? Yeah, it's all good, man. You okay? Yeah, all good. Sorry. All right, no worries. The captain does not appear to be pleased at the arrival of his first officer. They were married. No way. You know how many times I tried to talk to you? You weren't hearing me or you were around at all, but I I was the one who suggested couples counseling. The therapist was your brother-in-law. This should be a really fun trip for all of us. Perhaps we should not be talking about this. Oh, no, no, no. We're, we're talking about this. This is a thing. 
you'll be delivering supplies to the science station on Epsilon 2. Thank you for coming. We need protection. Protection from what? The krill. We have figured out a way to manipulate the speed of events. So it's an anti-banana ray. It's really interesting. We need no longer fear the banana. Does it work on all fruit? What about salads? You do realize this could be used as a weapon. That's why you're here. What is the Captain Mercer? Just detected a krill destroyer entering orbit. Door's jammed. Alara. You want to open this jar of pickles for me? I loosened it for you. Return fire! Give me the device, or I will destroy your ship. Sorry, can you can you move like two steps to your right? It's just a lot of dead space there. Just perfect. Yeah, sorry, you were just very weirdly framed. What? What is that? Is that a beer? Yeah, I'm nervous. You know, it's a new ship. I want to make a good impression. It's 9.15 in the morning. Sorry. So, thoughts on this one? Thanks for bringing me back to that Into, into Darkness depression. <laughs> that was, um, first off, McFarlane owes a huge, Seth McFarlane, not Tom McFarlane, for your audience, owes a huge check to <laughs> uh, James Gunn and the makers of Galaxy Quest, I think. You really can't, and comedy is very hard to do and judge, except you're going to, you're actually going to do it and judge. <laughs> but, but, yeah. Uh, as you know, it's it's extremely hard to do, and it's hard to it's hard to carry jokes over a preview, right? Unless it's slapstick or something pretty easy to. But this just feels I don't know. It doesn't. It, it's not funny. Um, <laughs> They've got one good joke. There was one good joke for me. That's what it. was that? It's well, it's the meta uh, joke where the the alien or the the krill or really reused remans. Yeah. <laughs> It's really very close. He's not dead center in front, in the middle of the of the view screen, and the captain can, asks him to oh. to move to be in the center because it's it's off putting. If it's a sort of a send up of the Star Trek formula, uh, where things don't actually, you know, if this were real, we might ask these questions: How does the view screen always keep people right in the middle? Where's the camera on these things? Right. Uh, because on Star Trek, it's like there's camera changes on on the view screen. Uh, sure. Like, it, like there's a the computer is a, the director of that scene. Everyone hits their mark. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> part, yeah, it's part of the trope. But if they're gonna uh, mock those tropes, then it might elicit a smile for me. Like this is the one place I smirked. There is a joke <laughs> in the um, in a in a movie my son loves, the uh, Madagascar penguins movie. Yeah. Where there's a similar thing where the villain of the piece, he's an octopus, comes on the view screen and starts to laugh maniacally or whatever but the people on the other end of the call can't hear them right so they're saying hey you got to hit you got to turn on the sound and then the octopus puts on glasses and looks down it's like having a skype call with your parent you know what i mean we're, <laughs> yeah we're, yeah it's a funny gag that's funny for like two seconds and then they move on yeah i don't know it just it feels like he's trying and maybe maybe it'll work but it just doesn't feel like it's hitting the right notes a lot of it feel and it, this is probably not even mcfarland's fault but it, the trailer is cut in such a way that I'm supposed to feel like I'm watching Guardians of the Galaxy again, you know, <laughs> anymore. Mm. Here we have, we have the classic rock thing. We have all these, you know, yuck yucks. Isn't it weird to be a human amongst aliens or whatever? But why I think Guardians works 
and I haven't seen the second one, but why the first one I think works is because you have one human character and everyone else around him is an alien. So you, it's his point of view you're with the entire movie, right? Well, there's a, like this, the Orville has a certain, it seems to play on a, on a lot of sitcom cliches. Ex-wife thing coming in. Yeah, yeah. The, your XO is going to be your ex-wife, might be a pun, but, um, but you know, to have those dynamics are nothing new and uh, no surprise. And the humor that seemed like the, the banter When they have banter, I mean, I could see how those scenes might work. I just don't know what the tone is meant to be. Are they in a straight universe? As far as effects and makeups go, I mean, it could be uh, it could be a Star Trek of the 1990s, right? Yeah. It's got all these surplus spaceships that uh, look very legit. It looks like it's doing it straight, except the characters themselves are slightly incompetent. And have just been thrown on this ship because they've got too many ships to man, according to the, the trailer. Right. And so when we hear the banter between McFarlane and um, the the actress playing his wife. Adrian Padalecki, Wonder Woman once in the pilot that, you know, has been leaked forever. And she's, um, uh, and I mean, there are a lot of good, you know, stars in this. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to the see Peter's Penny. dude. Yeah, Penny Johnson's in it. Cassidy Yates. Oh yeah, plays the doctor. Uh, you've got um, you know Scott Grimes who does a lot of work um, on this side of the border as well. Uh, so you've got something there, but I'm just wondering if, for example, when what I was saying with the when McFarlane and uh, Palicki are talking about the the banana ray, the banana killer. Oh yeah. Uh, the banter there are they stupid? Or are they mocking the scientist who is showing them this demonstration? Which also makes them stupid because they don't get the point that, you know, obviously this thing could right. disintegrate people. Although I, I, there just seems to be something to McFarlane's character being a, a sort of loser uh, who knows he's a loser, who's very awkward in some scenes. You try to swallow a marble. Well, you know, he's dumb. But there's also the, when he has that, that conversation about urine. Oh. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, it's going to be pee jokes, this thing. It's pee jokes and nagging wife jokes. I mean, low-hanging fruit. They've got a snot creature working on the ship. So, you know, all that stuff, it's pretty lowbrow, which doesn't really surprise me. I would hope that it would do better than that. But if that's going to be the level of humor, I'm probably not going to watch more than an episode or two of this thing. Here's the joke I feel is going to happen. Do you remember the um, the skirt uniform from season one of TNG that men and women wore? I feel like that's the sort of thing that you'd see walking around on the ship, and then that becomes a that becomes like a five minute rinse. Is it going to be a half hour show? Is it like a full hour with an actual adventure in it? A half hour that feels like six. Uh, I wonder if they sort of twisted Discovery's arm on this because it came out, and then the next day they put up a Discovery trailer finally, even though fans have been begging for anything to come out of the Discovery offices. It's really like they got smoked on this. It's like, oh, well, uh, Discovery's not uh, coming. Well, uh, here's my cheesy, silly Star Trek parody. And we're going to do Star Trek if Star Trek's not going to do Star Trek. And that's what it felt like. And then it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Let's put out the trailer now because, uh, you know, already somebody's stealing our thunder. Are you an anime guy? Not no. really. I mean, it's fine. Oh, okay. Are you familiar at all, though, with the uh, um, irresponsible Captain Tyler? No. Is it worth it? Kind of. It's. I feel like this is a, kind of taking a page out of that book where it's a hapless guy who's supposed to just be... Actually, you know, the more I think about it, it he's a hapless guy who's just, who just gets lucky a lot of times. I don't mean necessarily with the ladies, but I mean, he just... It's through luck and folly that he ends up winning and, and saving the day. 
and his XL is, is smarter than he is. And uh, there's supposed to be that romantic tension between him and his executive officer. Um, it's sort of this. Yeah. So, and you know, McFarlane being an animation fan, he, I'm not saying it's plagiarism by any stretch, but I'm sure it's something well, that it's, he's it's probably... already Galaxy Quest, and that was right. already Star Trek. So, <laughs> at that some is one point... of my favorite Star Trek movies of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, uh, it's something that we plan to cover on the show uh, with a non Trek fan. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's basically the only topic um, Marty from the Lonely Hearts could talk about at all. And <laughs> so I said, well, you can have it then. We'll do a show on that eventually. Well, let me ask you, yeah. back back to the good show, to Discovery. Mm. When you're looking at it, are you trying to figure out, I mean, not just what the show's about, but placing it in continuity of the greater um, original universe? Does that, or does that ever matter to you? Well, it matters in the sense that I am a grade A nerd about these things. And I can uh-huh. usually, to me, Enterprise wasn't a problem because it basically, it essentially had a time travel plot, which I really didn't like, but it had a time travel plot. So with these, this time war, this time cold war going on, there could have been, you know, an, a ripple effect that caused technology and uniforms to be uh, slightly different. And uh, perhaps all, with all these time agents, they sort of set it right before Kirk took off, you know, in his yellow sweater. Right. I don't care. Okay. So uh, with this, it's it's the same. I mean, there's been so much time travel in the uh, Star Trek universe. There's bound to be discrepancies. And uh, you just have to accept them to say, well, I also often say, and I do this for Doctor Who as well, uh, whenever you've, you've been on such a long stretch and the, you know, just set making and costume making and makeup has changed so much that what we're yeah. seeing is really the telling of these stories. And it's a telling in the style of the people telling it. Right. Uh, and yeah. somehow, you know, somehow these stories have been beamed into people's heads in our time and they've made the show with 60s sensibilities, with 70s sensibilities, 80s, 90s, and now 2010s. So the aesthetic and the haircuts and all that kind of matches, you know, the aesthetic of the storytellers. Right. But if you want to believe that this all happened, I, it's pretty coherent in any case. It's just the look of it. You know, when I and this is all me prejudging everything, okay. but I do wish to some extent that there wasn't any Sarek and there wasn't any Harry Mudd, who I suppose is supposed to be played by Rain Wilson, mm-hmm. because Maybe it's prequelitis that I'm just tired of. That makes people really try to force things and make sense of things and make sure events work in their heads, right? So like, um, you know, like the what was that Indiana Jones, uh, The Last Crusade? So there was that, there's that, there's that brief part in the beginning of the movie where River Phoenix plays Indiana Jones. So everything then becomes about, well, how did he get that hat? How did he get that whip? How did he? We're gonna answer it right now in ten minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, everything has to somehow fit. And makes sense. And sometimes the writing is is done in such a way that it makes it. These events are leading the writing instead of the other way around. That's when it gets really hinky and generally bad. But that's my only problem with having characters that have already surfaced in Star Trek, no matter how how small role they played in in something before. To me, it just it it really forces a hand that doesn't need to be forced, especially when Discovery kind of needs to find its way on its own. I think it's not the first series on this CBS platform, but it's going to be the series on the CBS platform. And one wonders if or why it had to be in the past of the Prime Universe. Why can't it be in the future of it? Why can't we just leave all of that forge ahead, maybe even 80 years later? 
why can't it be the same evolution that Next Gen was from the original series or um, basically the movies? Why do we have to put it inside the continuity where it will suffer from uh, nerdly scrutiny? I think because it's harder to envision the future than it was before for a lot of people. Because we, we saw outside of like teleportation and warp drive, a lot of Star Trek has made its way into our life today, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So being a futurist, I, I that's probably the toughest job on, on the planet today because things are moving so quickly and they're outpacing our imaginations in some instances. Because logically, no, no pun intended, but when you logically apply a lot of the technology of Star Trek, you begin to think your way out of things. Well, if you have a teleporter, just build two teleporting two teleport pads apart from each other. You don't need ships anymore. You know what I mean? It, it just becomes the logical outgrowth of everything that has been set in the 24th century, if you go to the 25th, 26th. I think takes a lot of the drama out of it. Like a communicator seems dated as hell now. You know what I mean? When you just have a chip in your head, you know what I mean? <laughs> or or um, you had Google Glasses a couple of years ago. No one would even have their own individual. There would be no view screen anymore. It'd just be something in front of you that only you could see. So it's, I think by moving the timeline back, by placing it in the near future, it's easier for people to conceive of what they think it's going to be because everything just seems more immediate than it ever did before. You know, in the 60s, going to the moon was a fucking feat. Today, it's like uh, Elon Musk is saying, well, let's go to Mars. You know what I mean? So it's, it's not that specialness isn't quite there that used to be there. Now it's all philosophical, which is what Star Trek does and not Star Wars, by the way, but which is what Star Trek does. But th- does that make sense why I think they don't go further out? That's a great point, and uh, I hope we'll be talking about this again this autumn when Discovery actually comes out. Uh, we can actually analyze um, the show yes. and, um, I'm psyched. and see just you know what we were expecting and what actually uh, what the actual result will be. So thank you, David, for uh, spending these few minutes with me. Thank you for doing this with me. And, uh, well, you know, I, I love enthusiasm and... Uh, <laughs> I just get on board the train, you know? That's <laughs> it's not a train anymore, my friend. Her name is Discovery, and she's a starship. And on that, <laughs> I'm not going to do any uh, subspace transmissions and all that. This time, there's a new episode coming out in a couple weeks, and I'll wait for then. Uh, but please, if you've got any uh, thoughts on these trailers, do us a favor and leave us uh, comments at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on the Facebook page or, uh, of course, on Twitter, FW Podcasts is the hashtag. Until then, go boldly. 